Well, hello there. This is Evangelist Timothy Gruber here at the Word of the King. Holiness Bibles for the Blind. Ecclesiastes chapter 8 verse 4 tells us that where the word of a king is, there is power. Who may say unto him, what doest thou? Just recently, um, the United States of America decided to reopen trade with a place called Cuba. And according to this article, Wednesday's announcement followed more than a year of secret talks between U.S. and Cuban officials in Canada and guess where else? All right, each way, take a shot, Kenny, take a shot, Ruth. Guess where else? Uh, most likely Iraq. Maybe. Oh, not Iraq. Ruth, what do you think? Russia? All right, here we go. And that city which thou saw, that city which reigneth over the kings of the earth. Oh, Rome. Rome. Yes, the Vatican. The woman which thou saw, that great city which reigneth over the kings of the earth. U.S. officials said Pope Francis was personally engaged in the process and sent separate letters to Obama and Castro this summer, urging them to restart relations. Yeah. Only with thou sauce that great city which reigneth over the kings of the earth. Okay, start off here. Turn to Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. And I'm going to read down from verse 18, 28. St. Luke chapter 18, starting in verse 18. This is, right now, this is not so much the message. This is just reading from a devotional here, but I think it's worth going through here. Starting in verse 18 of St. Luke 18, talking on total surrender. And a certain ruler asked him, saying, Good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none, none is good, save one, that is God. Now, the Lord's commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother. And he said, All these have I kept from my youth up. And when Jesus heard these things, he said unto him, It lackest thou one thing. So all that thou hast in distribute unto the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Yes, he did. When he heard this, he was very sorrowful. He was very rich. And when Jesus saw that he was very sorrowful, he said, How hard shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? For it is easier for a camel to go through a needle's eye than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. They that heard it said, Who then can be saved? And he said, Things which are impossible with men are possible with God. Then Peter said, Lo, we have left all and followed thee. On October 19, 1781, British General Charles Cornwallis found himself surrounded at Yorktown by General Washington and his American troops. 
Knowing the inevitable, General Cornwallis agreed to surrender to Washington. As was custom to military etiquette, General Cornwallis was to surrender his sworn to General Washington, symbolizing a complete surrender and ceasing of fighting. General Washington went out to meet General Cornwallis, but instead found General O'Hara Cornwallis' second-in-command. General O'Hara claimed that General Cornwallis was ill and could not attend. You see, General Cornwallis was filled with pride and would not personally surrender his sword to Washington and attempted to give it to someone other than him. O'Hara reluctantly offered the sword to Washington, who, knowing what was taking place, refused it. The sword would be returned to Cornwallis and lost in history forever. No one knows the whereabouts of the unsurrendered sword today. You see, though Cornwallis knew he couldn't fight and win against Washington, he refused to personally surrender to him. Washington wouldn't accept, nor should he have, anything but Cornwallis' personal surrender. How many believers try to do the same thing to God today? We know we cannot fight God and expect anything but defeat, and yet still be hold back from full surrender. In our text, a rich young ruler refused to part with what was his own to follow the Lord and went away in sorrowful. Peter gives us the proper attitude in verse 28. Well, we have left all and followed thee. Can we say the same? Tell me that wasn't a message in and of itself. Full, total surrender. I must confess, Kenny, it's too bad that uh, Emily got hit like that and went out because I was actually going to go out of my way, not, you know, to, to minister, you know, later what she's going through, and I'm sure it would have ministered you and Ruth as well, but I guess since she's out of it and uh, can't uh, hear anything, oh, well, I just have to get along here. I heard you. Okay, because he was just dropping the. Here we go. Saint chapter fourteen, starting in verse twenty-five, going down here to verse twenty-seven. I believe this is fitting. that uh, Emily herself finds herself in, and uh, we ourselves have been there. Starting in verse 25 of St. Luke 14, And there went great multitudes with him, and he turned and said unto them, If any man come to me, and hate not his father, and mother, and wife, and children, and brethren, and sisters, Yea, in his own life also he cannot be my disciple. Verse 27, And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And so, here we're talking about full surrender, and that surrendering to Christ and the cross that he bestows on us individually, in this case, it pertains to having to hate and forsake our own flesh and blood for his cause. You know, Emily 
herself finds herself, as I know I have in the past, and I'm sure you have, in a position where she has to choose whether she is going to serve her flesh and blood, albeit her mother, or if she's going to serve Jesus Christ. She, no doubt, has done a very good job, as much as lied in her, to serve her mother. And while we ought to serve our own flesh and blood as much as we can while we serve Christ, we are never to serve them at the expense of serving Christ. As Jesus says, if any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren, sisters, yea, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Whosoever doeth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. When I think of separation, there's obviously been a separation between Emily and her mother. I'm reminded of how Abraham had to separate from his own flesh and blood, his nephew, Lot, and in the separation from his nephew, Lot, I'm reminded of the exhortation that as much as life in you, live peaceably with all men. And so, we see a situation here with Emily and her mother, where she needs to do as much as life in her to live peaceably with all men, and that including her mother. And in this case, living peaceably with all men, and that her mother, does seem to mean that she needs to relocate in the manner that she is doing at this time. And even as it is in the best interest of her walk with Jesus Christ to do just that, she needs to hate the mother in the very context of which Jesus himself declared in St. Luke 14, verse 26. I would say if that's a verse, there's one verse of scripture right there that I would encourage Emily to memorize uh, within the next week. Uh, it's that verse right there. St. Luke 14, 26. If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brother and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Let us remember, Jesus hated his own life to the point of death. We might gain life eternal, life more abundantly through him. How dare we love our own lives? How dare we not hate our own lives? In the context which he declared we are supposed to, in the context of Luke 14, verse 26. 
We are either going to be the disciples of Christ or we're going to be merely the disciples of men. Turn to Isaiah. On that note, turn to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 28, I believe it is. Isaiah 28. Actually, Isaiah 29. Isaiah 29, starting in verse 10 of Isaiah chapter 29. The Lord hath poured out upon you the spirit of deep sleep, and hath closed your eyes, the prophets and your rulers. The seers hath he covered. And the vision of all has become unto you as the words of a book that is sealed. It's been delivered to one that is learned, saying, Read this, I pray thee. And he saith, I cannot, for it is sealed. And the book is delivered to him that is not learned, saying, Read this, I pray thee. And he saith, I am not learned. Wherefore the Lord said, For as much as this people draw near me with their mouth, and with their lips do honor me, but have removed their heart far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men, verse 14, therefore, behold, I will proceed to do a marvelous work among this people, even a marvelous work and a wonder. For the wisdom of their wise men shall perish, and the understanding of their prudent men shall be hid. Again, we will either be the disciples of Christ or we will be merely the disciples of men. If we are not willing to hate our own father, mother, wife, children, brethren, sisters, yea, our own life also, will inevitably end up catering to and serving flesh and blood and not God who is spirit. And we will be all the more therefore led by flesh and blood and not by God who is spirit. And therefore we will be all the more taught by flesh and blood and not by God who is spirit. And at best, our fear toward God will be taught by the precept of men. You know, what is legalism? Legalism is nothing more than man's fear of God being taught by the precept of men. God, the Word was God, 
Proverbs 30, verses 5 and 6. Every word of God is pure. He is a shield of them. Put their trust in him. Add not thou unto his words, lest he reprove thee and not be found a liar. But again, pastoral authority is commonly thought today. Lead men to believe what God's word says because of what men say about God's word. But men should believe God's word because of what his word says about himself. First Thessalonians 2.13 First Thessalonians 2.13 alludes to this. The Apostle Paul writing under inspiration of God. First Thessalonians 2.13 This call also thank we God without ceasing because when you received the word of God which he heard of us, you received it. Not as the word of men, as it is in truth. The word of God, which effectually worketh also in you to believe. So here we see the Apostle Paul writing in the inspiration of God. Thanking God, church festival and like, receive the word of God, not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you to believe. sake, 
and for Emily at this time, that cross would mean, would imply a separation from her mother, however painful that separation may be, even as she, I trust, has been persuaded of God, and she's received the word of God, not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God. I know God's grace will prove sufficient to enable her in taking up this cross and having to hate her mother in the very context in which Jesus spoke, that she herself might be all the more a disciple of Christ, and all the more of a testimony and all the more of a salty savor to her mother, probably the testimony to her mother from a distance. Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. Isaiah 41, verse 10. The Lord says, Fear thou not. I am with thee. Be not dismayed. I am thy God, I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will hold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. It is written in Psalms, once have, I heard, once have God spoken, twice have I heard this, that power belongeth unto God. May we look the Lord our God in the name of Jesus Christ for the power that he possesses and he is able to give to take up our cross at all times even when that cross means having to hate our own flesh and blood and we seek him for the power to take up that cross for him and have a holy love for him. Hate what he tells us to hate. Hate who he tells us to hate in the context that he tells us to hate them. Knowing that he has said, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will hold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. God is the one who inspired that man of God to write, as much as life in you, live peaceably with all men. Even as he inspired that apostle to write that, He will give the wisdom and he will give the strength to live that. If we just look to him for that strength and for that wisdom to know when we need to back off and to let go of a particular situation. And that leads to Psalm 62. 
62. Verse 1. Truly my soul waited upon God, from him cometh my salvation. My soul wait thou only upon God, for my strength is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. So, wait. Wait. Be still and know that I am God, is what the Lord is saying right now to us. And trust him with our loved ones, knowing, as it says in Psalm 62, also want to be over the law of mercy, for thou renders to every man according to his word. Mercy belongs unto the Lord. May we seek him, that he might show mercy to our loved ones, that he would honor our hating of them in the very context of which he says. And according to his word, he says, I will honor them to honor me. Plead his promise. And I of our willingness to hate our loved ones in the context of which he says that he might all the more honor our obedience and hating in such a manner by showing mercy to them. And I'll share this testimony. Uh, when I lived up here, 11, going on 12 years ago. I lived up here in Staten Island 11, 12 years ago, going on there about. A group of believers came down from this other assembly and joined the assembly that I was going to at that time. And we went out into the city to evangelize. And... Things had already at that point, you know, prior to that, uh, things had, things were kind of, uh, you know, rocky with my family because, you know, I had gotten saved. I had gotten born again by the grace of God in March of 1995. And, and I was very outspoken about what my Savior and Lord had done in, uh, in my very being, in my very life. And I let them know, you must be born again. And as you can imagine, they were not all that thrilled about it at the time first. Well, anyways, I had moved to Staten Island. Here we were evangelizing, and I'm with this group. Some of us are holding up signs. You must be born again. Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. And we're in the midst of singing uh, a hymn, and we're singing nothing but the blood. And we come to the end, it was like singing through the uh, chorus one last time there, and, oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow, oh, no other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. I look to, to the side, and here is my Aunt Linda and my cousin Lisa in the middle of New York City. I didn't know they were coming up. Never said a word to me. 
I've never said a word of him about going out there to evangelize that day for Jesus, but as a man's heart devises a way, the Lord directed his steps. So here, God had us cross paths that day, and just had us cross paths when I was with a bunch of believers lifting up his son, Jesus Christ. And what did Jesus say? If I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. So, I moved up to Staten Island, New York. Things had already been a little, like I said, a little touchy with my loved ones. They were not all that receptive to the truth. Right? So I move away. There's a separation. There's no, not much communication, you know. But here God, here God is worth. And I can still remember growing up, oh, my Aunt Linda, she was so emotional. She was almost bawling like a baby. And I remember growing up and hugging her and my cousin and, and all that went through my mind was, what a seed. It's like the Lord was just saying, what a seed. It's all about something they're never going to forget. You're always going to be able to just, you know, remind them of and be like, hey, God was saying something that day. I can't say that they've officially gotten saved yet, but I'll tell you what, uh, that's one seed right there that I'm persuaded went down and went down deep. And that's one seed the enemy's not going to be able to pluck away by the grace of God. Not that one. No way. So, Say all that to say this. My soul wait out only upon God for my expectation is from Him. He still knows that He is God. Sister Emily, know that as you are faithful, trust Him with your mother. Even as I trusted my loved ones with Him, so even as He was faithful to work in the hearts and the lives of my loved ones, we think of the work in the heart and the life of your mother, your loved ones, as you were willing to forsake them, to hate them in the context in which he said, and trust them with him alone. Wait upon him. Wait upon him, knowing that your expectation is from him. Well, we're told, but as many as are the works of the law are under the curse, for cursed. Be everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them, we're told in the book of Galatians. Oh, but here it is. But God committeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Repent ye, and believe the gospel, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved, and the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, shall cleanse you from all sin, for if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Menial, mortal, Sin, whatever you call it, all unrighteousness, God is faithful to forgive those who confess their sins to him through faith in Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection alone. For by grace he is saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works. Call upon the Lord today. This is Evangelist Timothy Groover. Until next time, God bless you and yours.